0: the exact street that we lived on. Um, but this is, you know, the lower part of South Hill, so it's the more historic part. Um, it definitely has some age. Oh, my gosh, it's the exact corner. Well, yeah, because that's, that's the house that that we lived at, just right there. This is it right here.
1: Oh wow, the 10th and Elm Apartments. I didn't think it
0: was that close. It's early spring 2018, and I'm back in Spokane, a small city on the eastern side of Washington State, 300 miles from Seattle. I'm in a neighborhood I know well, a quiet, peaceful place tucked away on the edge of a bluff overlooking Hangman Valley. And just off in the distance, you can hear cars traveling I-90, the interstate highway that runs all the way to Boston. Walking around with my husband, I take in how little has changed since we lived here my senior year of college, which was over 16 years ago. This okay. is normally a really quiet street. It's not a lot that happens. I mean, when we lived here, there was not a lot of traffic on this street. It's not a street that's, up, you know, just off a of main thoroughfare, but off enough that it's kind of a dead-end street on one side, and yeah. there's only really one way to get out to get to the freeway, but it is pretty close to the freeway. The wide streets are lined with old growth trees and even older homes. A few of the houses have been divided into apartments, but most are kept up as best they can by owners trying to preserve their history. On one corner. Surrounded by these older homes is a small apartment building.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think he would have, I think he probably just would have parked on the street, but. Yeah, because this feels really blocked in, like, to to pull into this driveway, which is, you know, goes into sort of two metal rolling doors. um, And on each side, there's like cement blockades. It feels like you would be, you would feel very, very vulnerable if you stopped here.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Unless you know, he was pulling in to kind of hide. But oh, that
1: could be, yeah. Uh, or if he thought that maybe he could get into the the rolling yeah. door part of the garage before before the other guy.
2: Who killed 26-year-old Zachary Lamb and why remains a mystery, but major crimes detectives think the public still holds the key to solving the case. Jeff is here now with his special report, which asks the question,
1: who killed Zachary? So Zach and his fiance left Barracho's about 11.30, when well, Zach realized that they were being followed and decided against driving straight to their apartments. And so he didn't, he, he drove down a side street and pulled to the side of the road, uh, hoping that this person would either one, go by or, uh, be unconcerned with them and leave them alone. FBI agents have now joined this investigation in the event that it turns out to be a hate crime. However, this murder could just as easily be an extreme form of road rage. Spokane police really don't know yet, but what they do know is this guy didn't hesitate to kill somebody because he didn't like the way they were driving or their color of their skin, and he could do it again.
0: heard about Zach's murder from my sister, Kelly. He was her best friend, and this tragedy hit really hard. Ever since the day she and Zach met, they were inseparable. For a short time, they tried dating, but found being friends better suited them. It was hard to make sense of it all. There was so little known about what happened that night. The confusion continued as the days, months, and years passed with nothing progressing on the case. It's been four years now, and the lack of answers has had a lasting effect on my sister and her two boys, especially the oldest, who was 12 at the time. He and Zach bonded over the shared experience of being the only Black kids in all-white families. My nephew doesn't have a relationship with his biological father, so Zach's friendship meant a lot to him. After that night, Zach's parents became very close with my sister and her boys. To this day, they get together regularly for dinner at a local pizza parlor. I think because it helps bring back happy memories of the pizza place his parents owned when Zach was younger. It was here, in fact, where I met Zach's parents, Cliff and Julie, and floated the idea for this project. They made me feel welcome right away, and soon it seemed we were all one big family. We spent hours that night talking, laughing as they shared funny stories about Zach. We scheduled a time to meet when I was back in Spokane next. It was decided my sister's house would be the best place to get together. A little more room than theirs, and a lot quieter than a busy restaurant. Well, let me just, uh, we're just going to hook that, like, right. Let's just hook it right here so it's easy, and then we don't have to worry about it. My oldest nephew enters the kitchen to get a snack. He's now 16 and skeptical of most everything. In other words, he's not sure what to make of all this. He rises.
1: Okay, so How are you? you. I'm good. Good. Are you awake yet? A little bit. A little bit? <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I started researching Zach's case, all the news articles and reports had the police saying the same thing. Road rage incident gone wrong. Zach had no enemies, no beefs with anyone. No clues as to who did this or what made it happen. There were a lot more questions than answers.
3: There was a knock on the door and I thought, oh, somebody did something stupid and the police are here. But they're talking and they're like, yeah, Zach was out with his friends. And so I'm thinking it's an accident or, and there's said, you know, something happened on the way home and he was shot and killed. And I was like, what?
1: And I came outside and Julie said, Zach's dead.
0: Not a lot is known about Zach's drive home that night. What we do know is he and his fiancé were out with a group from work at a local bar. One of his co-workers had gotten a new job, and they were celebrating their last day. A few days earlier, the couple found out they were pregnant, so the plan was to try and go home a little earlier than normal. They left the bar shortly after 11.30 p.m. What Kelly knows about that night is what she and Zach's parents learned from his fiance. She was supposed to be there, but work kept her late. She was also one of the only people who knew about the pregnancy, which was something Zach was waiting to announce to his family at the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. As you might imagine, Zach's fiance was pretty traumatized after what happened and still fears for her life. Because of this, we're concealing her identity and bleeping her name anytime it's used in interviews.
2: They started off, I believe, at 9, and then moved over to Barachos and she was getting really tired, and so he didn't want to stay for too long, and of course she couldn't drink, and I was still at work. But on the way home, I guess, is uh, what had happened. Um, said at one point um, they even pulled over and was hoping the guy would leave them alone. He purposely went the opposite way home, driving around. He purposely ran a red light and then he ended up just going back to his apartment.
0: The idea Zach ran a red light is important, something I'll be focusing on more in-depth in another episode. His parents, two people who knew Zach better than anyone, surmise what he must have been thinking during those final moments.
3: I was like, oh my God, why did I never tell him? I would have told it to the girls. Mm -hmm. I have told it to the girls. Somebody's following you, go to the police station. They're not going to find you there. But Zach never would
1: have, because when he lived in Louisiana, there was a cop that he thought had it out for him.
3: Yeah, and I really think he just thought it would be a fist fight or a screaming match or... And
1: sex. Always up for a good fist fight. Always.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: As he got out of the car, he said, you know, probably going to get in a fight here, and he told her he loved her.
3: She said it back.
1: And... He
3: didn't even make it to the end of the car.
0: Yeah. In less than a half hour from leaving the bar only 2.4 miles from the restaurant Zach was gone
2: and then he got out and the guy shot him well he called him the n-word and then shot him three times I I don't know it was really difficult as soon as she called me um, and I raced over there and it was it was really difficult seeing her she just she had a hard time. She just said she didn't remember, um, didn't see anything. She was just in the car. So, right afterwards, um, they had released her vehicle and the photo in the news. And so we immediately got the car in the garage because she didn't want the guy who was still out there to think that there was a witness and then go after her. And then she went home with her family-in-law. That's where she's been ever since. She will not come back here.
0: Since Zach's fiance is the only witness from that night who was there for the whole event, I naturally want to interview her. She has information and insight no one else has. But I knew from the beginning it might not happen. And I understand why. In trying to protect herself and the baby she was pregnant with, she moved across the state to be with her family. And despite all the stress and anguish the baby survived, she now has a bright, bubbly, smart, funny little human to take care of. She's trying to move on and focus on the future. My hope is, once I finish these episodes, we can send them to her and see if she feels comfortable talking to me. If she doesn't, I will honor that decision. But what's weird is this isn't, there's only one way in and out of here. There's, if you're, if you're going to try to get back to the freeway, there's only one way you can go. Just go, you know, where, the way we came, just a couple of blocks that way hit Maple and then right on the I-90. Just, we're only, I mean, we can hear in the distance. The freeway. The the main freeway, I-90.
3: It's not a bad neighborhood at all. And the landlord had owned the building for 20 years. He's like, I have never seen anything like this happen before. And the neighbors were great. Just, they came out and we talked to several of them and, Um, Like the one lady, she and I sat and cried together because her daughter, they came out after. They heard the yelling, and then they came out after and brought towels and were holding them. And she sat and held Zach's head because, as she put it, he needed a mom. And I was, like, so thankful because I feel bad that I wasn't there. But the fact that a mom was there, you know, that made me feel a lot better about you know, not being there for your kid, and and she just, she said he was starting to panic, so I was calming him down and talking to him and, yeah.
0: Yeah. Normally when a crime like this happens, especially in a small city like Spokane, it's solved in a matter of days, not years. In fact, this was the only unsolved homicide in all of
1: 2014. The detective did tell us one time that, he said, you gotta remember, it might not have been somebody local. The freeway is right there. Mm -hmm. If they got down the hill, got on the freeway, by the time all this came about, it could be long gone.
3: The one thing he said is every single person he's talked to, he's like, when there's a something like this, we solve it really quickly because there's usually an ex involved or a drug deal or a gang. It can't be hidden. Every single person they've talked to about Zach says how great he is, you know? He's like, there's not one thing we can point to that would have caused this. That's, that's just, there isn't anything. There literally isn't anything. They even had dogs and... Helicopter and stuff out within a half hour and nothing. You know, obviously at first there's lots of publicity and stuff. So we learned a lot from the television. Sounds sad. And then uh, we learned white
1: guy, medium build, scruffy face, yeah,
3: gruff voice, and uh, dark SUV.
1: Yeah, dark SUV. That was pretty much it. (laughs) It just so happens that on the corner, it happened on this, only there's a street light on every other corner. So there wasn't one on their side. It's on the other side. So there was no, you know. And and I see, mm-hmm. you know, if I heard shots, I'd duck too. And that's what she did. So she didn't even see when he drove away.
2: I told him, I was like, you know, we have hung out like every single day. I know him like the back of my hand right now of who he is now. I mean, not years and years ago, but, and just where he goes and what he does and where we've been and who we've talked to and everything else. So I almost felt like, you know, why haven't they been talking to me sooner? And so even when I got to talk to the guy, I was like, well, look into this, look into this, look into this, look into this. I didn't feel, I mean, maybe because I watched a lot of the TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> but I expected a little bit more. Okay. I thought there was going to be like rope and tape, and things were going to be like a, a team was going to come in and start like. Yeah. It just wasn't that at all. It just seemed like it was just a horrific crime. And then, like, a week later, it's just something else on the news.
1: Not that I've ever done anything wrong like this, but you know, I, I tried to think, okay, if I did something wrong, what would be the first thing I'd do? One, I'd probably get rid of the gun. Yeah. Two, I'd get rid of the vehicle because there was something unique about the vehicle. It had a roof rack, but it came over the front of the car, which isn't, you know, like you'd put ladders on. So probably the first six months I would drive Whenever I'd go out to the valley, up Sprague to all those little fly-by-night car places and look and see if I saw anything with the roof rack on it.
2: It's just so heartbreaking, too, because it's like there's this girlfriend in the car and they were, you know, he was going to propose and they were going to get married and she's having his baby and then... She just moved in a week before, and then this happens, and and now there's still, how many years later, and nothing, nothing. Yeah. And then.
1: They left and we went inside and...
3: Just, uh, both of us, just I mean, you know, you see on TV where everybody's hysterical and crying and screaming and we didn't even know how to act. We still, you know, sometimes I think people think that we're cold because we don't always cry every time we talk about it because we still, it's still not real. It's still, we know where he is. We know that he's gone. But it doesn't it doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel like it could possibly be real. This doesn't happen to. You You know, we know it happens happens. to other people, but not us.
1: It happens to other people, not you.
3: He was a good kid. He tried really hard. He just he wanted to be good. He just couldn't help himself. (laughs) It was fun
1: and exciting.
3: He really did have, it's crazy, a really strong sense of of what was right and what was wrong and what was fair. And so even when he would do something wrong, if you could point out to him that it wasn't fair to the other person, then his remorse level increased dramatically, you know, and he would never do anything like that again. He just literally wanted to be everybody's best friend. He wasn't. Bad. He just was trying to be a good friend most of the time. And to him, a good friend would do anything for you, even if it was wrong. Yeah, we lost a son, but then we gained all these kids who are now friends, you know, and um, it doesn't necessarily make up for it, but it does make us feel better that we we raised such a good kid yeah he had his issues but he was finally pulling it together and 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 the fact that he affected so many people in ways we didn't even know you know and we knew that he's always been a really good friend but this has definitely brought us more information than we knew probably would have known you know even so
0: Zach was killed by a complete stranger who he randomly encountered in his car, which leaves very few breadcrumbs to go on. I'd love nothing more than to get Zach's story out there and have it connect with someone who may know who pulled the trigger that night. But it's a long shot. Instead, I want to focus on other aspects of this story. A case like this scares me. Having a run-in with a complete stranger on the road that could lead to death in under 30 minutes is a terrifying reality. And road rage incidents involving guns are happening more and more. 80% of drivers admit to feeling rage behind the wheel each year and 8 million of us act on it. I found a professor at Ohio State University who's been studying aggression for the past 30 years and recently conducted a study on road rage and guns. I also reached out to some people I know who have dealt with road rage incidents themselves. I'll be speaking to all of them in another episode. Then there's that red light Zack supposedly ran that night. The thinking is, perhaps he ran it in an attempt to get the assailant on camera. But the state of Washington has a 2005 law on the book stating police can't use red light camera footage for anything other than issuing a red light ticket. Which means, if footage exists of the car following Zach and his fiance that night, the police can't use it for help in locating them. A couple of times, right before Zach's case, in fact, legislation was introduced to change this law. I sat down with a former representative who sponsored those bills, along with the ACLU, who opposed them. But my biggest motive for all this is to share with you who Zachary Lamb was. It was such a short time with
2: him, but it seemed like years just being with him. And he just always had a smile on his face, always super happy. He just had a way of making everything better.
0: I'm watching a clip of Zach dancing in a bar. He has a huge smile on his face as he busts a move next to a pool table. He's wearing a bright pink sports coat, which, paired with his mocha skin and wild curly hair, has him in stark contrast to the very white small-town patrons drinking beer along the walls. His friends cheer him on, and Zach decides to amp it up. He spins in his pink coat and starts floating all over the floor, his feet moving in smooth precision. One thing is clear, Zach loves a crowd.
1: Senseless Death is produced and hosted by Lindy Bustets, mixed and edited by Chris Bustets. Music provided by artists from artless.io. If you have any information regarding Zach's murder, you can contact us and the Spokane Police Department on our website, asenselessdeath.com.